And do you have reached the Lisa Ann Gile podcast? Listen, I am coming to you. I'm coming for you. I'm coming at you. But listen, in a good way, in a good way. I am your cure to everything predictable. So people, let's go. Good afternoon, my people, my family, my friends. I said it in the wrong order. But listen, I didn't forget anybody. It is 2.38 in the afternoon. And listen, I, I've i been doing so a lot of other stuff lately. A lot of other stuff. And uh, I think I'm going to expound today. I'm going to try and not sound churchy but if i get a little preachy pardon me so with that being said i am going to come to you um and no y'all it could not have waited to sunday because i know this is a weekend podcast I, i'm just gonna be quite frank i think that schedule just <laughs> listen that was on the next train smoking because i have not been adhering to that schedule I've been the weekend podcast. What? So this is coming. Um, this is this is coming before Sunday, and um, it's coming from. I'm coming from Matthew chapter twenty. Now, what I will be doing is something different than what I usually do. I usually only uh, bring forth one, two, or maybe three scriptures. But because my um, main text uh, is um, within this particular chapter, I have to read. I just can't read the verse before and the verse thereafter. I have. I need to read the entire uh, first sixteen verses, and I'm going to do so on um, the pre-recorded message and in your spare time if you do not uh follow along at at this moment listening to this podcast please in your spare time when you are in quality time with God read the chapter and then re-listen to the podcast that would be wonderful and um I just want to give you the full context of what's uh, being said. And uh, I'm going to begin my spiritual disclosure. And chapter 20 in the book of Matthew, located in the New Testament of the Holy Bible. I am reading from the New International Version, the NIV. And I do so because I deal with a lot of young people. I counsel, I, 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 a majority of my adult years have been working with youth. 
And I find that the New International Version, the NIV, and the NLT, New Living Translation Version, is very, very good. It's a very good resource. I myself use it. And then when I want to memorize scripture, I read out of the King James Version or the New King James Version. Because those two particular versions or translations, rather, excuse me, are the closest translations to the original scriptures. So, my friends, my people, my family, Matthew chapter 20, verse 1, going through verse 16, and my expounding will be focused on verse 16. So, I'm going to start, actually, let me just retract what I just said. I'm going to start at verse 16 first and then work my way back. So verse 16 of Matthew chapter 20 reads, and the head of the title, excuse me, the title of the chapter is called, depending upon if you're reading from this particular version of the Bible, it says the parable of the workers in the vineyard. Verse 16. So the last will be first, comma, and the first will be last. So the last will be first, comma, and the first will be last. Now I'm going to go to verse 1 and read it through 16. And I will begin my thought thereafter. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. He agreed to pay them a denarius for the day and sent them into his vineyard. About nine in the morning, He went out and saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. He told them, You also go and work in my vineyard, and I will pay you whatever is right. So they went. He went out again about noon and about three in the afternoon and did the same thing. About five in the afternoon, he went out and found still others standing around. He asked them, why have you been standing here all day doing nothing? Why have you been standing here all day long doing nothing? Verse seven, because no one has hired us, they answered. He said to them, you also go and work in my vineyard. Verse 8. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, Call the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired and going on to the first. The workers were hired about five in the afternoon came and each received a denarius. 
The workers who were hired about five in the afternoon came and each received a denarius. So when those who came were hired first, they expected to receive more. But each one of them also received a denarius. When they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. These who were hired last worked only one hour. They said, and you have made them equal to us. Who have borne the burden of the work in the heat of the day? But he answered one of them, I'm not being unfair to you, friend. Didn't you agree to work for Denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give the one who was hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I am generous? So the last will be first. And the first will be last. Now I can go in so many different directions with this particular scripture. And it would all, it would all be accurate. It would just be in different directions. So first, let me start with this angle. Before I begin to go into the verses, the parable of the workers in the vineyard. So I'm going to, as usually as I often do, I break down certain keywords for clarification. The key words I will be breaking down is parable, workers, and vineyard, or vineyard. Now, a parable is a story with a moral or message within the story. And it is made applicable to life. A parable is a story where it has a moral or a message where it applies or it applies to life in general, everyday life, depending upon the story. The next word is workers. Now, workers, the prefix of workers is work. The prefix of workers is work. And what is a worker? Anyone who does anything for a wage or something else in return for a payment. Workers. So to work. Let me sidebar for a moment. God honors hard work. If you take it back to Adam and Eve, before Adam had a wife, before God gave him a wife, he had a job. 
It was to be a steward over that which God created and to name the animals. God honors hard work. So worker, that is what, that would, and this, this is what would define workers. The next word I would like to define for clarification is vineyard. I'm going to break it down into the two words you see within the one vocabulary word, which is vineyard or vineyard. Now, for support of scripture regarding this particular title with the word vineyard, when I think of vine, I think of the scripture that says, and I want to read it verbatim. So let me just Google that scripture real quick. Okay. It is John chapter 15, verse 5. I am the vine, yea, are the branches, you are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him. The same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, yea, or you can do nothing. And this is my supportive scripture for the text that I'm currently reading out of Matthew chapter 20. So vine. In scriptural context, Jesus is saying, I am the vine. And you are the branches. You're intertwined. And you should be able to bear good fruit. So vine. That is an analogy. Symbolizing who Jesus is. Or should be in our lives. The vine. Then the word yard. When you think of yard, you think of a place where a house dwells, commercial property is, but mostly a house. When you think of yard, you think of, you know, uh, dogs in the yard playing. You got Toto and... <laughs> He's somewhere in Kansas playing in the yard in a picket fence. And sometimes the house can have a good foundation. And sometimes the house can have a bad foundation. So when you think of yard, you think of a place where a home supposedly dwells. And that is where you would normally find a vineyard on someone's property. So with that being said, 
the parable of the workers in the vineyard. If I were to translate the story of the story with a moral and message of the workers, the story of the story with a message or a moral of those who do something for a wage in return for labor in the Lord's yard, in the on the Lord's property. So the parable of the work is in the vineyard. When I look at vineyard, I see the Lord's property. I see the Lord's yard as per the support of scripture that I've read previously. So in times past, I often have heard ministers and they have denoted that the landowner the landowner uh, let me find the scripture. Was Jesus. That this is an analogy or some sort of personification in terms of the landowner being representative of Jesus or vice versa. But according to the scripture, that is not the case. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. According to this parable, it says the landowner actually is representative of the kingdom of heaven. Now, before I continue from this point, let me ask you this question. What is the difference between the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God? There is a difference. And oftentimes the Bible says either kingdom of heaven or kingdom of God, but there is a difference. In this scripture, it doesn't say for the kingdom of God is like the landowner. It says in this scripture that for the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner. So the answer to this question is the kingdom of heaven is the place and the kingdom of God are the people. Okay? The kingdom of heaven is the place and the kingdom of God are the people. So next time you read a scripture and you see kingdom of God, you know you can now decipher a little bit better or more clearly what the scripture is implying or saying. So here it says, for the kingdom of heaven, the place is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers in the Lord's yard, in the vineyard. 
He agreed to pay them denarius for the day and sent them into his vineyard. So who dwells in the kingdom of heaven? It is people. But he's not talking per se about people because he the scripture would have said for the kingdom of God. The kingdom of heaven is the place. It's, it's very, 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 very clear. Heaven is a place. Heaven is a place. So the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner. Second question. Why was the kingdom of heaven? This podcast might be an hour, y'all. Because <laughs> I got to break some stuff down. Why would the kingdom of heaven be like a landowner? Why would the place be like a landowner? I'll give you a second to think. So, the Holy Trinity dwells in heaven. The kingdom of God are the people, remember what I said, but the kingdom of heaven is the place. And that place is where the Holy Trinity dwells. So, the, for the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner, so the place is like a landowner. That is because in order to go to the place, heaven, you must earn your crown. Salvation is free. But to earn a crown, you must do good works. It is earned by good works. The Bible says, I want to read that, I want to get that scripture verbatim. Faith without works is dead. Let me let me type that in. Let's see. Thank God for double screens. I'm <laughs> multitasking, you guys. I'm sorry about the beginning of this podcast. I was just a little focused, but I think I'm winding down now. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm going to choose the NLT version of that scripture and as a simple, as a more simple read. Let's see. Uh, faith is dead without good works. Faith is dead without good works. So then there's an, an additional scripture, another supporting scripture to this scripture. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. So they both work hand in hand. But love always leads. Love is action. And that is good works. And you earn crown by good works. 
So the kingdom of heaven, the place is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers. Those who are, those who are willing to do something for a wage a re or a reward for his vineyard. Lord's yard translation. So the reason why the place is like a landowner. Because in order to get there, you must work in the Lord's yard. Now, someone had asked me just recently what verse 16 meant. And this is what led me to go into this chapter today because I was, listen, I was breaking it down, man. I, I got to say this for the podcast. This is a lot to repeat. <laughs> so, uh, so the last will be first and the first will be last. And this person didn't quite understand what verse 16 was saying. So then I counteracted the question. I said, I asked, now why would, why would the last be first and then the first last? So why would someone who waited to the 13th hour, got up late or maybe was lazy, maybe, for, for, you know, took their time getting, getting to the job and, you know, just being idle a little bit and, you know, now, why would, you know, squander their life and you've been faithful your whole life? Now, why should, now, why should the last be first? And then the first will be last. The first, you were first to get into the church for service. And you stood online when, when your feet were tied, even though you had to do praise and worship. And you went to the rehearsals and you were in choir, choir, you were in the choir stand and you were on the evangelism team and you, and you honored the people and God in serving on holidays. So why would the first be last? Why should they, why should your reward equate to those who are last? And I can go into different directions, but I'm just going into one direction. Because if I went, okay, let's just say I went to this other direction where I'd said and I, and I, and I related and I, what if I said it was relative to salvation? When you give a yes to Jesus, whether it was in the 13th hour or the first, the Bible says God does not wish any to perish. So their reward is equal in terms of eternal life. But judgment day is not for the sinner. It's for the righteous. And that is when you will know whether or not you get a crown and enter into heaven. So if I wanted to go in that direction, I can make it relative to that in terms of salvation, but I'm not going there. So the last will be first and the first will be last. Why would 
the why would the owner of the vineyard equate their reward even though the last was standing idle by and the first came on time for work. So then I asked this person another question. I asked them, who does it say in the scripture that the owner was fair? See during see during the course of my lifetime, when I've heard whenever I've heard this scripture expounded upon or preached on or taught on, they've always said that the owner was Jesus. They always said the owner was Jesus. So is that true? Is is that true according to the scripture? Because I think I just clarified. So in this text though. In verse 16, so the last will be first and the first will be last. Why would you equate the reward when the work was not equal? So my question to the young man was, was the owner fair? Was he fair? Was the owner fair? Now, according to all the supporting scriptures we read today on this podcast, on those regarding those scriptures alone. It is not equal reward. Everyone will not have the same. I'm pretty sure everyone will not have the same crown because everyone lived different lifestyles. Everyone lived differently on different levels. And you go from glory to glory in life. And we are not all on the same. Hate to be redundant, but the same level. So... In this text, it is safe to say, because I'm not taking the angle where I am making the analogy as per other ministers have done in the past and said that the owner is Jesus. In this text, in this context, and in according to the scriptures of the Bible, other supporting scriptures, it is not equal reward. Outside of salvation. In terms of, in terms of John 3.16 it is. Because if you accept Jesus Christ as your personal savior. You have eternal life. That is John 3.16. For God so loved the world. That he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believeth on him shall not perish. But have everlasting life. So verse 16 will be made applicable. If you needed a support of scripture, that would be it. But that is not the angle I'm taking. That is, that is not the angle I'm taking. So in this context, it is very safe to say that the owner 
in a way was not fair. Because if I had to take it from, a, if, if they had come to me, if the one that was paid in the last hour got the reward and the one that paid in the first hour got the reward and it was the same and the first and the first workers wanted to sue the owner for more money and I was an attorney, I would then say, look, there's nothing I can do. And this is this was the owner's point. You agreed to this wage. You agreed to it. You agreed to it. So therefore you have no uh you have no case. You cannot sue this man because the worker agreed to it. So I'm going to decide bar for a moment. That is why the Bible says count the cost. You have to count the cost. There's a possibility that sometimes you're so desperate for work that you're willing to take a wage, any wage. Because you need the money. And this this is good because productivity is good. A man that does not work, does not eat, that is also Bible. But just because an option is an option doesn't mean it's always the best option. There's a possibility that these workers who did appear on the job first did not count the cost. And thus they got the same payment and reward as those that came later in the latter time of the day. Even when you take jobs, you must consult God whether or not this is the right one for you. Because if you do not, there's a possibility it'll be a train wreck. Maybe there'll be a personality conflict. Perhaps, you know, they shut down due to embezzlement. I mean, I'm just thinking of various scenarios that I've heard of and that I've witnessed as you know, a a corporate leader within my last 30 years or 32 years of working. And you must consult God on everything, even when it comes to taking a job. Because what happens is when you don't consult him and you take something and I know, and we, we need to work. We, we must work. We must be productive. We, we have, we must, we have children, we have families, we have a lifestyle. It, it's, it's being fruitful. It's, it's, we can, we can't bless, bless anybody without money. The Bible says money answers all things. So we, we can't run a ministry on air. We can't sort of speak because I often say love is like the air, but according to the scripture, without works, faith is dead and love is is works. Love is activity. So we must consult God on everything, especially when it takes a, comes to taking employment. And if you continue to trust God and ask him for a career-oriented path as opposed to just a job. He'll do just that because you consulted in him, you're trusting in him, and hopefully you're paying your tithes and offering, which is a different sermon. 
Because you tie God's hands when you don't pay your tithes and offerings. You create holes in your pocket. Because if you're not giving your 10% that he requires to God, you're going to give it to somebody else. So that's a, that's a different sidebar. But I'm getting back to the scripture. I just wanted to cover this, this portion of the podcast. Now, this is what happens when you don't consult God and maybe you take an opportunity just because it's an opportunity, not just those who want corporate. Maybe you're a musician. Maybe you're a comedian. Maybe you're an actor. But whenever you take a position just because it is an option without consulting God, now you have tied yourself, made a commitment to something and the opportunity that God really had for you is being occupied by somebody else and you have jeopardized now that whole entire project because you are not there because you missed your assignment. You see, whenever you are working, it's just not about the wage. It is about every single person you come into contact with that is associated with your life. The cameraman, the PA, the casting person, the extras. If you're a comedian, the club owner, you look clean, you look good. They knew you used to be on drugs. They knew you used to be an alcoholic and you sound great. Do you understand? But now you're at this club. You're supposed to be at the other club. And now you missed your assignment because there was somebody at the other club that needed to hear you. Or you, or you took this movie. You were supposed to take the other movie. And now you jeopardize both projects because you're not supposed to be on that one. And you missed the other one. Now, both projects are in jeopardy. They don't do well in the box office. You missed your assignment because there are people attached to you wherever you go. Maybe your wages were affected. Maybe you got paid a little bit less. Maybe you got paid right. But then you missed your purpose. So you must consult God on everything, including including employment. So in this particular scripture, it is very possible that if I took this angle, the owner who hired the workers and gave them equal pay was in the wrong. Kind of. Because the first set of workers, you know, the, the first set of workers, he... They did, you know, agree. They agreed. They agreed to it. But had they prayed about it, it's a possibility that, that God would have told them, no, keep, Jesus would keep on, keep on walking. There's uh, somebody right there, down on the other tent. They're going to pay you a little bit more, a little bit better. And by the way, you're going to give them, you know, you're going to give them a little bit of something because, you know, they need help. This is works. Maybe your wife is a tent maker. Well, his wife needs a job. See about that. You know, you never know how this scenario could have worked out differently had they been prayerful about it. Because according to the scripture, they got equal pay. And according to the Bible, it is not equal reward. 
So the last will be first, and the first will be last. This I've been. It is. I am forty minutes in, and I'm going to end shortly. I think I've covered enough for this particular scripture. So the last will be first. And the first will be last. So I will take one more angle with this scripture and I'll be I'll be done. I'll be getting out of your way. And listen, when you listen to this podcast and you share this podcast, this is a good one. Could you please tell people to make sure they're in a very quiet, uh, solitary, uh, I was going to say solitary confinement. But listen, not to make joke about that. Listen, but this is uh, in a solitary place because it's. I, I want them to be able to study the word and read the scripture and follow me in the context and, and really listen to what I, I've been saying for the last 40 minutes. So this is the last angle I would like to take with this scripture. So the last will be first. And the first will be last. I am a perfect example. I grew up in the entertainment industry. Most of you know my background. I came from a very abusive background. I won't get into details, but I was an autistic child. I was mute. I didn't talk. You know, I I was dumb. <laughs> I was. I don't mean to say that lightly. And um, I eventually started talking around eight. And... Um, I began to be more, a little bit more communicative. And there was a time we were in the show business and we stayed in the show business. We got, I got, I got in this, I started show business very young, like in the fourth grade. And I don't know what they were thinking. I think it required, I think you're required to actually speak as an actor. (laughs) I look at some of my pictures, my old pictures. and I'm like, how did that cameraman get me to smile? Because as an autistic child, I never smiled. I mean, you could close your eyes and pick a picture. I was not smiling. I was a very unhappy child. And growing up in the show business industry, though we never made it to a major platform, we've come, we, we, we met and worked with a lot of different people. Um, a lot of different people. There's Terrence Howard and Wesley Snipes and... Morris Chestnut, and I meet a bunch of people. We, um, lots of primetime shows and commercials and movies, etc., etc. Now, I am one day at work, and I took this job, and I, I'm going to be honest, it, it was a blessing. See, I was, I think I was lucky because I'm, I'm going to be transparent. I, I always pray over every, usually the, every decision that I make. I've become very diligent in that. Now, I don't recall if I prayed over this particular position, but I know at the time it was a blessing because, you know, I'm mother and father in my home. I'm a single parent of two children. And 
I'm at work one day, and I am standing beside my desk, stapling papers. And I said, I'm not supposed to, I'm not supposed to be here. I'm not supposed to be doing this. There was so much creativity locked up on the inside. And I was watching our friends like Donald Faison and just so many, I call them Shun, but so many, so many people that we started out in the business with that my brothers went to school with and they had made it to, to major platforms. And I was at work stapling papers. And I remember saying, I'm not supposed to be here. I was grateful for the job. I needed the money, but I said, I, you know, when you are doing something and you know there is so much more for you, it is a bigger plan God has for you. The vision is ridiculous, so ridiculous that you need God to accomplish it. That is when you know it's God. And I said, it was, at the time... Even to current day, there was so much on the inside, so much going on on the inside creativity-wise and so much ministry, so much weight I was holding on my shoulders for people. There was an, 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 there was an innate excuse me, passion I had for others. And all this gift and talent and passion and faith and love, and it was all bottled up on the inside and I was at work. Stapling papers. And now it is 2023. And I'm just getting a following. And I'm 49 years old. I'm sorry. Give me a minute. So I want to encourage those who are still trying, still reaching, still believing, still trusting, still working hard. Maybe not at what you want to do. Not, maybe not at what you're supposed to be doing. But you go from level to level, glory to glory. And as long as you are walking in love, and as long as you are being faithful to his biblical principles, because I must add that, I must say that. Because many preachers preach prosperity, but they don't tell you how to get there, and they don't tell you how to keep it. Anything you get from heaven is a good and perfect thing. That's Bible. But it is a blessing. So you have to do something to get it, and you have to do something to keep it. You'll be okay. Because God does not waste anything. And he gave you those gifts. And he gave you those talents. And when you take that which he gives you. And you honor him with it. Your life will be blessed. Those attached to you will be blessed. And you will see your promised land. Now I am still waiting. But I believe in karma. 
What goes around comes around. And I like to say and to think that I've been a good person, a hard worker, sacrificed for my kids so that they could leave healthy, beautiful, holy, honorable lives. Raise them on the foundation of God. They know who Jesus is. They're not perfect. But I did my best. And I'm still waiting. So I'm not telling you to do something I myself am not doing or don't believe in. I taught in one of the podcasts, there is something about waiting. It's just not in the wait, and it's just not about being patient. It is how you wait. Because if you are waiting for that which you, whatever you are waiting for, that which you want God to do for you, if you're waiting complaining, if you're waiting murmuring, if you're waiting lying, if you're waiting cheating, if you're waiting stealing, if you're waiting in a lifestyle that is contrary to biblical principles, then you are waiting for nothing. And you forfeit that which God has for you because God does not bless mess. It is how you wait that is more important than the wait itself. You cannot be that child on Christmas disappointed because you didn't get that shiny new bike. While you failed all your classes, while you cut class, while you got high on Saturday and you were supposed to be in the house at 8, while you you complained all the time, you didn't do your chores. What shiny new bike? I don't think so, mister, <laughs> in, the, in, the, in the voice of the Olsen twins. Okay. So you forfeit that which God has for you if you do not wait in love. Because when you love God, the Bible says those who, they, the world would know that you belong to God by what? Your obedience. Obeying his biblical principles. Not only his obedience. In obedience period. Because if you're walking in obedience. You're also walking in love towards one another. And love fulfills the whole law. And I knew this podcast would be about an hour. It is 15 minutes and 13, 14, 15, 16, 17 seconds in and some change. I hope that I have helped somebody. I was going through my page and I said, listen, I've been, listen, I've, I'm not doing another, I'm not doing another song today. <laughs> let me give him, let me give him a little food for thought. I hope I've blessed you. I hope that I have given clarification regarding this scripture. I think the young man who asked the question, which led to this podcast. And I hope that as you practice walking in love, that you also practice talking to God. Keep the dialogue dialogue open. It doesn't have to be fancy, cliche-ish. 
You don't have to use big words. Just say, hey, look, what's going on? Sometimes I ask him if, 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 you know, if God's wearing sandals. I say, hey, God, you wearing sandals today? <laughs> I know. Listen, some people think I'm crazy because it may sound like I'm talking to somebody. No, I'm talking to God. I'm talking to the Jesus, the real Jesus. This is how we flow. I, I have my very formal moments with God. And then I have my moments with him where I'm just, you know, I'm just, we just talking. We just flowing. We just vibing. And I'm telling them about my day. I'm telling them about people. I'm telling them about my kids. I'm telling them who make who's making me mad. I'm telling them who made me proud. I'm I'm just confiding in him. I'm, I like to, as you see, I'm also kind of I have a kind of a cool sense of humor. So every now and then I like to make them laugh. See, this is the flow between me and God. So you find your niche. Find your niche with God. As Peter said, you got to get on your knee. I've been to churches. Look, I'm a big girl. Even when I was a small girl. My knee still hurt if I was on the, you know, kneeled on, you know, kneeled too long to pray more than 10 minutes. I, I said, oh no, I, I need to sit down. This is, this is no good. Do you have insurance for this? <laughs> because, you know, I can't, no, I, and, and it would interrupt actually my prayer during the course of the service because my body's hurting or it's uncomfortable position. See, that's being religious. That, that's being, that's just formality. A good preacher would say, you know what? If you want, if you feel comfortable sitting down on your knees, sit on your knees. If you feel comfortable sitting on the chair, sit down on the chair. If you want to pace, go ahead and pace. But whatever you do, just talk to God. That's important. And that's what I would like to express to you. You find your niche. Get into your favorite position. Sure, I used to sit in a recliner. I, I would just sit in a recliner. I would talk to God. We've had our best conversations in the shower. Listen, my best position though is in my bed. And I and I'm not falling asleep on God. It's just comfortable and I'm engaging better because I'm comfortable and I'm speaking to him like a friend. Sometimes when when you're on your knees all the time, it feels like a chore. Your knees hurt, and you're all tight and frustrated before you went to bed and you feel old even though you're only 21. <laughs> An eight-year-old say, Ma, Ma, eight-year-old, did you say your prayers? Yeah, but I need Bengay. I, I need Benadryl. What do you need Benadryl for? My knee hurts. I, but why should, because I was praying. You need Benadryl for that? <laughs> now, I'm not saying don't get on your knees. You absolutely should, especially if the Lord moves you. But it's more important. That you speak with him in a comfortable position because there's longevity there. You, you'll keep the dialogue open longer and you'll get more, you'll, you'll reach heaven that way. You know, it, it's just, it's just, it's nothing wrong with finding another position is what I'm saying. Don't let preachers tell you, you got to be on your knees. That's being religious. That is going through formality. I understand the concept sometimes if it, if, if, if you want to say that it's a form of respect and that's true, but most times God would prefer you to be in a comfortable position speak to him for an hour and then five minutes or your knees cause you, cause your back hurting. Do you understand? So find your niche, find your niche with God. And this has been Elisa Angel's podcast. I won't do an exit because 
Uh, I'll have one pre-recorded. <laughs> so thank you. I enjoyed this podcast. It was definitely a reiteration for me. And I hope that I helped you out and, you know, inspired you, encouraged you in some way. You guys enjoy the rest of your week. And uh, I'm I'm not sure, you know, I, I don't know what, what this weekend is going to hold. I'm not sure if I'm going to do a Sunday podcast. I've, I'm uploading this a little early. And like I said earlier, I, I think my schedule is just out the window. It was supposed to be a, <laughs> it, I'm going to try and stick to it, but it was supposed to be a weekend podcast. But I'm so addicted. I'm so addicted to you all that I've been kind of just uploading things randomly because I love you and God loves you and peace. I always do. <laughs> I can't see my curse. Oh, there it goes. I lost my curse. Okay, let me do that again. And peace. <laughs> This has been Alisa and Jael's podcast. My people, my friends, my family. You all, God loves you. I love you. Peace.